This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 139 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our episode two reactions to HBO's House of the Dragon. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 139 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty. Welcome to episode 139 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn to start. I am joined by the one and only Ricky Flex. And Ricky Flex, I'm skipping the pleasantries today. We are right back in it. Episode 2, House of the Dragon. Let's just get to your initial reactions, all right? And uh, what do you think of the rise of one Rhaenyra Targaryen? What do you think of the rivalries being renewed? Give me your thoughts. So... Eight o'clock comes around and I go, I want to watch episode one again. So I watch episode one lead right into episode two. Episode two blew the first one away. So good. Phenomenal. It felt like Game of Thrones where they had all the politics going on, backstabbing, or you didn't see that coming, or you did see that coming as an audience member, but the people inside the show, characters didn't see it coming. Absolutely phenomenal. I the ending was wild, and if you waited till after the credits, even crazier when they do an outlook on the season, just like what they tease, it's unbelievable. The teaser at the end, I still have goosebumps from it. We were literally recording 15 minutes after, like it's just just in our heads right now. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> like this episode, in my opinion, was such a it leveled up from the first one. The first one. Uh, you have a lot of Damon Targaryen. You got a lot of vanilla characters surrounding Damon, and it seems like okay. It seems like they played it safe in that first episode, reintroducing the Game of Thrones uh, to us after the season eight finale. What three years ago? Now this seems like what you're talking about. You got characters. They seem to be separating a little bit from Damon in the first episode. He was the juicy one to start, but now let's get to know everybody else. Let's get to know how they interact with one another. The alliance is being made. The rivalries that are being renewed right or of uh, basically being introduced i thought and then it also has like those moments of that lets you know game of thrones is different like a cringeworthy moment that could only happen in game of thrones right and it's going to be discussed for weeks on end going into next week's episode it has chilling moments on Dragonback. back seems like she's taking on such a likable character for the foreseeable future but i want to go to the very beginning of this episode ricky flex something that's going to be discussed a lot in the coming days Something I talked about last episode. They decided to go with a cold open during episode one. No theme song here. Everyone's looking forward to this new House of the Dragon theme. We get the visuals for the opening credits, but guess what? The theme returns to the original Game of Thrones music. I want to get your impressions on that decision to bring back the Game of Thrones theme rather than switching it up for House of the Dragon. It hit pretty hard. 
it hit pretty hard. I liked it. I think you, you stick with it. Stick stick to what you know. Stick to your uh, stick to your guns, your strengths. Keep the song. I but but going with the uh, the actual like visuals, mm-hmm. like the blood, like thick as blood, like from Damon, like the first episode, him saying that. Then you ha- see the waterfall of blood and everything. That was that went pretty hard as well. And kind of like even not during wartime, like things are coming, like big things are coming. And I really liked that as well. The visuals were amazing. The fire and blood, right? Going through, like, uh, I would assume, like, the kingdoms that are now go throughout Westeros at this point. I didn't like them keeping the theme song. I think I'm in the minority when I look online. I see people are just happy because that theme song is so iconic. People associate it with HBO. They think, like, people pretty much claim that it's, like, like, I would say a lot of people claim it's their favorite theme song in the history of television. For me, this show i wanted to see like them take on its own identity a little bit and we we talked about it in the first episode our reactions but they're playing a lot of the same beats from the original game of thrones i would have loved if they had something even a little bit similar to like the original uh they seem to play it safe just playing the hits and it seemed like that's what people want anyway to me they just played it safe there um yeah but i think you still had that connectivity to game of thrones where the song kind of allows that as a lot of these characters like, yes, you've heard of maybe one or two in Game of Thrones galore, just in quick banter, but these are just new characters. So you have had to have some connection besides just they're in like they're they're in King's Landing, really. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, you watched the first couple seasons of Better Call Saul. I don't think you've watched the, the final season. Correct. Like like Breaking Bad also has an iconic opening and theme. Would you have liked to see that in Better Call Saul? Or would you rather have what Better Call Saul has, like so it takes its own identity? Just I think do it's a little comparison though. here. I Why? think it's different because Breaking Bad, like the chemistry, Walter White character, I feel like that song was so, like it, it complimented that character so well versus like a, a Saul Goodman. That character, like the, the song that actually plays in that plays more to a Saul Goodman type character. It's goofier um has a little different edge to it not like as deep and it wouldn't have complimented as well as it did to like a walter white this is like game of thrones and house of the dragon it's like the same like very similar shows and they both like play on the similar themes and characters so why not just keep rolling with the punches yeah characters are paralleling very well between the original game of thrones and now house of the dragon still a lot of the plot lines are very similar to the original game of thrones it is in the same universe so i get why they still used it but i think you understand what i'm saying where i was looking for something different and i did say uh with the first episode with the cold open i was disappointed because i go I, i made a joke saying i'm going to judge this first episode based on who has the better theme song and then the letdown of not having of having the cold open in the first episode and the second one i'm on pins and needles waiting to hear the intro music and i'm like god damn it it's the same song and like am i am i going crazy right now am i on crazy pills do i not like remember this is there a slight variation but i was like no this is like they're just playing the hits baby this is the encore bring the band back on all right and then they play the original theme but let's get to the episode let's get a little deeper here so we talked about something last episode when it comes to potential time jumps in this show. And we do have a time jump from episode one to episode two. Episode one ends where King Viserys, his wife, dies, right, giving childbirth. And shortly after, Balin Targaryen is born. He dies as well. Daemon Targaryen, all right, is uh, basically celebrating the death 
right, at a brothel of young Balin and his wife, of King Viserys' wife. He then is banished to Dragonstone, all right? During this 50-day time jump, we have Daemon Targaryen building up an army, people that were loyal to him when he was the Knight of the King's Guard. And then, right, we have this uh, stretch of time where uh, Rhaenyra and King Viserys have gone, have basically... Uh, separated from one another, don't they don't interact as much uh, following the loss of Rhaenyra's mother, okay? So I just wanted to get your impressions on this time jump because the original Game of Thrones, we talked about how slow paced that is. And then I don't know if you got to see, like, after this episode, they do the preview for the third one. There's even more of a time jump. Do you like this change of pace here? I don't think so they did that teaser. I don't know if that was necessarily just for episode three or also just for the that rest of the too. season. I think it was kind of intertwined because there's so much stuff going on. I'll be shocked if that all fit into crammed into one episode. Um, yeah, the time jump caught me off guard a little bit. I I did not see that coming at all. But the first 30, 40 minutes of the episode was no Damon as well with that mm-hmm. time jump. So that was also a little bit shocking as well, because obviously what was the most popular thing, like or uh, biggest takeaway that people I think liked from the first episode, and that was Damon. So that was very shocking for him to come so late. But when he did, he came in with fire, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, the time jump was off guard. It seems they're going to do more. They have older people cast for um, uh, Rhaenyra. Thank you. And the king's Allison. daughter allison yes so it's like all right we're gonna be doing more time jumps so get used to this so yeah it makes sense it's just like a little shocking that they did it so early in the season already yeah and you brought up damon targaryen he was the takeaway from the first one and we i talked about earlier how the other characters seem very vanilla and i they wanted damon to be like that guy you want to take on like okay this is the villain you want to sell you the audience is going to identify right at the beginning of the season but is he going to remain the villain for the remainder we shall see we see new alliances being made right people that were loyal to the king are now becoming loyal to damon right um i want to get your impressions on the fact that we didn't have damon a lot in this episode do you think that was a mistake by the writer do you think it was a smart move it seems like you like the second episode more than the first so does that correlate with less damon or is it just the exploration and like the juiciness of some of these characters and their futures the juiciness of the actual show and like it was just so compelling throughout the whole episode so even good. and <laughs> the looming uh wife to the king oh I think we're gonna get to that the, oh yeah and the politics surrounding that hung over the episode right and then once damon came into the fray i think it just like it was like a it just you know that meme where the guy is like putting like stuff in the pot and he is like far away from it and then he puts it in and backs away, and then it explodes. That's basically what it was when Damon, like that's like putting Damon in the pot, you know? Like they just like erupted the episode with the dragon. And they showed like a weaker side to Damon in this episode too, where he wasn't all powerful. He comes across during that meeting between Otto, who goes on behalf of the king to re- basically retrieve Balin that was in Balin's cradle, the dragon egg. And then we're gonna talk about Rhaenyra in an absolutely chilling moment. Like a literally chills down my spine. And I think the moment of the season so far, when she goes on her own 
terms. The king did not send her. She goes on dragon back where she's most comfortable to retrieve Balin's egg. And Damon hands her the egg after a short conversation between the two yeah tosses it i'm like oh my god it's like tossing a baby you can't be doing that but (laughs) you think was like for you was that like the moment of the season so far because this this had plenty of moments in it and a a shocking twist ending here too was that the moment so far i i think the end (laughs) the ending i that's what i'm still thinking about right now and Uh clearly if you haven't watched it go watch it but the fact (laughs) that he walked around and was like trying like entertaining the idea of marrying a 12 year old to just let alone oh, announce yeah. to everybody without notice that he's gonna marry his daughter's best friend when she's in the room it is absolutely chaos that is the moment for me that is what's sticking to my head not the dragons not damn it just the sheer awkwardness of that moment and only game of thrones can execute it so well I don't even know if they executed it well. It's just like it just happened, you know. That just happens in Game of Thrones. But like we hadn't seen it to that extent, I believe. Like in the original Game of Thrones, like Lady Mormont was not like marrying anybody at that time. She just pledged loyalty to House Stark, and we didn't get to the point where she was potentially going to have a husband. Right? That never happened. We've seen like young, like like females, like take in young males take on royalty right kings and queens of kingdoms in game of thrones but to the point where they're marrying an age difference like that max is probably like 50 years maybe 40 50 years someone that could potentially be someone's grandfather right marrying basically someone's granddaughter like like someone that equates to that age really sketchy but let's get to like how that's happening here in the show so 50 days after you got king viserys still mourning the death of his wife you have Otto planting the seed in the first episode where he tells Alice and his daughter to go comfort the king. They establish this relationship over that 50-day period as well. They comfort one another. We don't know if it's gone sexual or anything like that. Doesn't appear so. They Doesn't appear that, so. Like, uh, like and, uh, inkling of it. And so that's going to help lend to that shocking twist in the final part of this episode. But we also have the Valerians, right, with Corliss and the uh, – the queen that what that never was, I believe I got that right. Right, the queen that mm-hmm. never was. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the correct title, but they are looking to join houses with the Targaryens, right? Two of the oldest houses in the history of Westeros, and they recommend that you have Viserys marry their daughter, who is at the age of twelve at this time. Right, Viserys, he doesn't exactly buy into the idea he then gets the he then consults Otto and other members of the king's council and he agrees to meet with right the young uh, valerian so during that exchange you have a basically a giant talking to a midget like in that situation it was just hilarious but also so cringeworthy to watch that conversation to talk about the idea of them having children together and then even in that moment you had Viserys cringing as he's talking to the girl. I think it lent and almost hinted at what was going to happen in the finale. He was never comfortable with it. But does he have to do that to make a strong alliance, to maintain like his power where he's seen as vulnerable after the death of his queen and he has his daughter as a successor, which people also frown upon? So what do you think about that whole dynamic? Did he make the right decision by going with Allison, right, Otto's daughter, instead of the Valerians? What do you think? 
It was also nuts in that scene when they're together and like walking through the gardens or whatever, and Rhaenyra's watching them. So messed up. Like she's <laughs> literally half of Rhaenyra's age, and Rhaenyra's like what supposed to be 16, 17 in the show. Yeah, you know. So what do you yeah. think? Did he make the right decision? So like you, I think you said everything. I think a part I'll add is that like, Corliss was like in the small council, like like you hear heard it in the episode from the king's hand saying, "Oh, you're." Like, don't think you are equal to the king, even though you sit at the same table. So, like, he was yeah. definitely making moves, like, trying to show his power and strength because he has the strongest house in Westeros. That is true. Like, Valeria is still strong at, at this time. Like, well, very they, strong. I don't, I don't know if they're exactly strong. They're one of the oldest houses. And I know they're vulnerable right now because of the crab feeder situation. And then he's looking to gain help from Viserys, right, and his resources, right, to defend from these pirates and everything like that. It doesn't seem like they're the strongest right now. Not strongest, but they're still strong. They're, they're yes. one of the strongest houses, oh, yeah. if not the strongest Rich, house wealthy. in Westeros for sure, because they're, of their wealth and the like, masters, masters of the sea. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, and then this crab feeder situation, because like that's really threatening their most profitable thing. That's their bread and butter is, the sh is their shipping uh, ports and everything. It's like, all right, we got to protect this. And the king's not doing it. So him to like the king basically saying, yeah, I'm not going to marry your daughter. Like I am the king. He says, like, I am the king. Saying like, I am the power of this table. Like, even though you sit here, I have the power. You can't make me do whatever you want just because of your name. It's basically just about like exactly just showing his power, even though like. Yes, he is a weaker king. So it's interesting play. You kind of saw it coming, but at the end of the day, like, was it going to happen? Like, I don't know. And I think at, also what I think about is like the, now his finger's definitely infected. That's going to get chopped off soon, right? They try to cure it with the maggots. We talk about time Disgusting. jumps. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about time jumps, right? He gets another kid, a boy, right? Amen or whatever. So how long is he living for? He's definitely living another year, nine months. So it's like, okay, like we got a lot of movement to do here. And you know he's going to be king during that nine months. So we know that Damon and uh, Corliss, if they go together, they're not going to take over within nine months. So it's going to be interesting here going forward what they're going to plan with these time jumps and how long he's going to live and everything. So only in Game of Thrones would you call a king dumb for not marrying a 12-year-old. That's the only time, only show where you would say, like, this king's an idiot based on the history that we have with Game of Thrones. If we had, if we didn't have the eight seasons of Game of Thrones before this show, we would say he made the right decision automatically, which is nuts, right? It's just, like, the fact that we're questioning him for not marrying a 12-year-old, but I agree with you. The fact that we, the king, I don't think, knows how much time he has left. He knows he's unhealthy. He's not sure of these, like, uh, these these medicines that he's being fed, these maggots that are supposed to be curing his infections. I think he wants to, because first, I think the big and key sentence when he has that interaction with uh, the princess of Valeria, it's the fact that she says, uh, I will, I'm not going to be able, I, my mother says I can't start to like try and have kids until I'm 14 years old, which is two years away, right? The king doesn't know how much time he has. Who is, does he have an established relationship with? And he has gained comfort following the death of his wife it's with allison right the wife of otto so and guess what she's Hi. older she can have kids right we get a preview for the next episode where it's talking where basically yeah it shows a more mature allison holding aegon targaryen right the son that they have together right so even in this game of thrones context it was a tough decision 
right? It sounds so weird when I'm saying that. But I think he did make the right one just based on the fact he doesn't know how long he's going to live, right? But it's I think this is a, a – do you have anything to add before I move on to, like, the relationship between Rainier and Allison now? I was going to say, like, I it's tough to say the right decision too because, like, yeah, he clearly did that because he's vulnerable right now. Like, he's just mm-hmm. she's been kinship to him for a while, right? Trust the father. and He probably doesn't trust Corliss right now. Uh, a little blind ambition right now coming from there. And also the queen that never was his husband. So definitely some animosity towards him as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also I think a part where, again, it kind of rings back to episode one where Rhaenyra is just overlooked at. Clearly, like, the dad talked to her about, um, like, in this episode about remarrying. And then she got his wish. But it's like you didn't mention who it was. Yeah. And that was crazy, too. So it's just like, that's kind of like, oh, overlooking Rhaenyra again by her dad. So you thought that that was done when she was made heir. Clearly, that was just just because he had to. And that was because Damon couldn't be heir anymore. So it's interesting. Now, again, I think the time jumps here are going to play a crucial factor with this. Because, again, that nine months now from when we saw the preview for the upcoming episodes, whether it's episode three or upcoming, whatever gonna be nine months he's not dying for nine months so in that nine months what does Rhaenyra do that's what I'm looking at here does she continue to just be a good whatever the cup girl or does she try to make more plays like she did at Dragonstone she's got to be making more plays so I'm interested to see what she does yeah, I'm interested in seeing what are going to be the overall consequences of the King's decision here. Obviously, Rhaenyra, we're not really sure where that's going yet, but we did see an immediate consequence of this. You have Corliss going to see who? Damon Targaryen, who is absent for a lot of this episode, creating an alliance, and this is an opportunity for Damon to show power, right, and able to achieve something the King was not able or well, basically didn't want to invest in and helping out with this crab feeder situation. And if Damon does that, he that's a power play right there. And right. Viserys has lost a worthy alliance, a strong alliance yes. to right. Someone that was initially going to be his successor that he banished to Dragonstone. And he gave the line of succession instead to Rhaenyra. And now she is cocked out of that position. Right. And then we have like Allison swooping from the shadows. What are you going to say? Yeah, and again, like he wasn't banished to Dragonstone. He was banished back to where he should be with his first wife or his own his wife. But yeah. he's like, no, screw that. I'm taking a dragon. I'm taking a dragon's egg, and I'm taking my loyal servants to Dragonstone and a new wife. So screw you, brother. But I'm taking Dragonstone, the most precious thing next to uh, King's Landing for the Targaryens. And to kind of like wrap up this whole situation with the with the arranged marriage. I think we had a really interesting interaction. Something in Game of Thrones, like it was very like early Game of Thrones esque. When you have Queen, uh, the Queen that never was, talking with Rhaenyra, and as Rhaenyra is looking on to like the Queen that uh, the daughter of the Princess of Valeria with her dad, and then she turns around to talk to the Queen that never was. Sorry, I'm skipping her name because I don't I don't know how to pronounce. I think it's Renice. It's Renice, I think. Yeah, Renice is talking with. Uh, Rhaenyra, very close names right there. And uh, they're kind of having a back and forth. And I think this is like a introduction to a potential rivalry here. And I think that's what this show did a lot of, right? It goes into like deeper getting to know the characters, but also like those dynamics and like what to look for in the future. That's what was, that works so well here. So now I'm looking at Corliss and Queen that never was now aligning with 
Damon Targaryen. We have Damon Targaryen versus Rhaenyra over the dragon egg, right? And then you have like Rhaenyra versus her own dad. Like the house of the house Targaryen is like turning into shambles so quickly in the show. I think it's happening at such a faster pace and on a wider scale than I expected through two episodes. Yeah, it seemed like episode one was like easing us back into Game of Thrones, like familiar faces, familiar names, right? And hitting all the notes from Game of Thrones where it's like, all right, like we're invested back into this after that debacle finale, right? At three years ago. This one's like, all right, we're setting up House of the Dragon, this episode two. We're setting up this show. And then after this, you're going to know where the show's going. As in, all right, episode three and on, we're getting into it. Now, like we have, like you said, we set up the rivalries, the competition here, and like all the airs are set. Everything that is like obviously going to be twists and turns along the way, many, but this is definitely just setting the course for the rest of the show, which I love because now episode three, we all you thought I, all eyes were on you for episode two. This is just building up more and more. Next week yeah. is even bigger, and I love that. I don't know how it's even possible how episode three, episode three is bigger than one and two, but it is. I'm like I'm like literally vibrating right now because I'm just so jacked from that episode. I, I texted you immediately after. I'm like, we're, we're, I said uh, record, and you're like, when are we recording? I said now, now, now. We got to do it right now. I got so much stuff to say. So moving on, you brought up how Rhaenyra at the initial King's Council meeting, right, where you had Corliss, Valeria, Going to Viserys, asking for resources, okay? Uh, basically, he says no, and then Rhaenyra offers to go on Dragon Back, provide the dragons to help out with the situation, right? She gets denied by Otto, and then the king, and also by the king, Viserys then tells, uh, wants to give a responsibility to Rhaenyra as a woman. She's being pushed aside by the king's council, and she gets to choose the Knight of the King's Guard. And in that situation, she's basically siphoning, like ciphering through a bunch of applicants, right? They're coming before uh, the princess, the queen to be, and Otto is like, introducing them, saying what their accomplishments were, and then we are then reintroduced to Kristen Cole, the heartthrob of this show. He's the next Jon Snow. We talk about parallels, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also think we haven't seen a love interest yet for. Uh, Rhaenyra, this is this is lining up perfectly. Like she is so queen-like and regal with all of those applicants when they come up and they kneel before the queen. And then all of a sudden, Kristen Cole, he comes out of nowhere with the long flowing locks. And then she's leaning over the, the top, the leaning over the balcony, asking about his like experience, where he's from, and the man from Dorne has got it going on. I could see this type of relationship right spawning into something more but then this is once again creates interesting dynamics he is right the knight of the king's watch it's uh the king's guard excuse me and now is he going to go against the king to be with Rhaenyra or are they going to have this like basically forbidden romance potentially right if Rhaenyra decides to go against the king so what do you think about Kristen Cole's introduction and uh his his performance this episode yeah, Kristen Cole, I don't I like he's again, we talked about it, you just said it, Jon Snow parallel, definitely the heartthrob of the show so far. Um, had the one comeback line to um Damon, Damon. which is like so predictable. But Damon like I dropped like, your ass. <laughs> yeah. But Damon don't awesome. remember me. But like that's like the Ramsey Bolton that I love to see, like what Damon was doing. And then and like he even said, like, what's it's Sir Chris 
Christov, Crispel, or whatever he said, whatever big. They, that's another he, rivalry. Uh, yes, like they're gonna duke it out. I know they you're not it. supposed to be rooting for Damon, but I'm rooting for Damon. I no way. I, I'm I Team Kristen. No way. I, I love Damon. Like Ramsey, I never liked. Like I appreciated and I liked his character, how good it was. But like you're never gonna go against Jon Snow and the Starks. But I'm going Targaryen. I'm going Damon. And I like, I have to. But in all, like definitely gonna I definitely think that Rhaenyra and him will at least hook up at least once. Like no doubt. And I don't I think after seeing her father's actions, she's gonna do what she wants, I think, at the end of the day. Right? He's not she's not gonna be forced to go into a family uh, or marry to a family of a different house just for power or a power player or whatever. I think she's gonna just by her father's actions, not just here, but with his wife and the baby that he literally killed for the baby, and the baby died as well. So it's like I think she's gonna decide, yeah, I'm gonna be selfish too then. Yeah, like <sighs> It's I I think every Targaryen is like looking out for themselves at this point. It's not to the point where like the the daughter Rhaenyra doesn't feel loyalty to Viserys, right? Damon obviously was strayed right at the end of the first episode. It's what it's every man for themselves. Like ever since the death of the queen and of Balin Targaryen, it was just basically that was the end of the Targaryen, the the core family, the immediate family of Viserys Targaryen and then obviously that makes everybody vulnerable okay and everyone goes their separate ways that's when alliances are being made there's people backstabbing each other it's setting up for an amazing overall season I do want to talk about uh the interactions between Rhaenyra Targaryen and Allison because this is something interesting because Otto was basically basically he had the overall plan right to have Allison become basically the queen what a slick guy and he like and then going beyond that like allison understands the assignment she's asking questions she's doing whatever your dad says but then even beyond what her dad wants king viserys says i've grown away from rhaenyra right can you find out can you talk to her can you find out some information basically she's also being used as a spy for the king for uh, uh to spy on his own daughter in that play, and in that circumstance, it kind of matches the books. And people were complaining about this in the first episode, and where you have Rhaenyra and Allison, they're historically rivals in George R. R. Martin's like a Fire and Ice or Fire and Blood. And now people are like we're saying, why are they so buddy buddy in this first one? They're supposed to be against each other. Well, guess what? You're gonna get what ex- exactly what you want. And this is why George R. R. Martin is helping run this show, right? They're going to be an intense rivalry after this. And then you have like Allison, like on her knees talking about the morning, like uh, the morning of her mother. Okay. Trying to comfort uh, Rhaenyra similar to her father. And then at the end to have that, that twist and that turn of the tables and to see that stare, that blank stare that uh, Rhaenyra has after finding out Allison is going to be the next queen instead of her next line of succession who she's found comfort talking to this dynamics would be incredible who does Rhaenyra have now who does she have cole her joro mormon yeah <laughs> um not yeah no it's tough right now and that's why like this episode again was just setting everything up and that just like confirms it i think for what i was saying earlier where yeah they were buddy buddy for two episodes 
But for the rest of the series, not season series, they aren't. They aren't at all. And what I want to know is how does Allison get a little ruthless, vicious, Cersei Lannister-esque? Because clearly it's a weak king. Weak king. So I'm interested to see how she plays on if she ever makes a power play similar to Cersei. Not in the same respects, obviously, because we know what happens. Like as in, in the succession, um, in the Targaryen dynasty, as they would say. But <laughs> I'm just interested to see what she would do, not necessarily for a power play to the crown, but maybe just to Rhaenyra. Yeah, like the the dynamics would be crazy. Like like going into like predictions here, like not even predictions. Who are you most excited to see rise here? Are you looking at like uh, the Valerians here? Are you looking at Rhaenyra or Damon? You seem like you're siding with Damon with a lot of these arguments. Are you more I, most looking forward to him here? I am so much looking forward to Damon. Like holy <laughs> crap, I have to. He's the most compelling character on this show. But the second episode, I think, was purposefully going towards Rhaenyra, right, and her rise as being dismissed, right, this underdog type of, of character, right, and then also bi even building up that underdog even more, what she's passed up for her best friend, her but, confidant, you know? So I understand. I, I, yeah. I kind of like – I'm still stuck in that moment where she go on, she went on Dragonback to confront Damon. I'm like, yes, we have an adversary. Let's go. Think about, think about this way, too, like in Game of Thrones. Remember in episode one last week we were talking about how like it was only in King's Landing, and it didn't really like you pretty much focus on the core characters, really pretty even split time there. Um, but Game of Thrones, like you had some episodes where you didn't even see characters, uh, because they solely focused on King's Landing, they solely focused uh, on Winterfell or the Night's Watch, right? So you didn't see like the Lannisters for one episode or two episodes, you didn't see the Starks for one or two episodes. Here, now you're starting to see oh, Valerians. Damon, you could be in Valeria for an episode. You could be in Dragonstone for an episode. Out in the oceans for an episode. Obviously, not as many players in the because there's no Baratheons or Starks really into the show yet. But still, now we're venturing outside King's Landing. That's going to be the most interesting part for me because that's going to be the non-majority of the show is when they go out to Damon, when they go out to Valeria or wherever they go. So that's what I'm going to be drawn to. See that diversity of the show and the most compelling part of the show and character and Damon, uh, particularly what I think of myself. And then, like, in that regard, too, where is Rhaenyra going to go? Is she going to go with Kristen Cole to Dorne? Like, you know, like, where is she going to go? She can't just, like, make camp in Westeros with King Viserys there and Allison, like, married and having Aegon Targaryen. She can't stay there, right? If she's going to make a power play, which we kind of assume because that's what Game of Thrones does. You know what I mean? That's what Game of right. Thrones does. And then yes. I also... I also want to say, I'm bringing it back to um, Damon Targaryen versus Kristen Cole. I think that that matchup's going to happen, right? It might not be a trial by combat, but they're going to have a one-on-one -on -one scenario because that's what everyone wants to see. They tease it in the first episode. It's going to come full circle in episode 9 or 10 because that's what Game of Thrones, Thrones does. And usually, it has very good writing in the early seasons, okay? Um, who's, like, obviously, I mean, not even obviously, who wins the matchup? Right, that's going to be interesting because I'm doing parallels now, and I'm thinking about. Base, I, 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 said that Kristen Cole reminds me of Jon Snow, but in a way, could also remind me of Dario, because we talk about right. Danny Targaryen and like her early relationships with Dario, how she was willing to fight for her no matter what. Okay, and ultimately getting separated. Right, and I think Damon's going to come out on top, and obviously there's unexpectedness to Game of Thrones, but I think by 
Kristen Cole winning that first round, that means he's going to lose it the next time they go one-on-one. I think it's a, it's inevitable that that matchup's going to come and Damon's going to come out on top. Yeah, and like if and again, I just watched rewatched the first episode an hour and a half ago, but literally like Damon did kind of win and he was just going to the, towards the crowd and does like didn't finish the job and that's how yeah, um, Kristen Cole was able to come back there. So, it's just like, all right, that's probably not going to happen again, you know. So, because he just he doesn't want to get embarrassed like that, it's because it's Damon. But yeah, and I, I also just to relate back to my prior comment, like think about Game of Thrones. Like every time they ventured off to Danny, like trying to conquer or whatever, build up her mm-hmm. power, like that was the most, like that was a part. Of, like, oh, we're going to, to the dragons, or so we're going like that's what we're gonna be doing with Damon. It was an epic journey, like and yeah. like you're going to different spots, taking on different people that are trying to challenge you, right? Right, challenge your authority, and you like you don't have. Like people, like you could say, like you can claim you have a right to the throne. Very common in Game of Thrones. It feels like everyone feels As that they right. have the right to the Iron Throne. This is where we're, we're starting to feel like Game of Thrones again, bro. We're starting to feel it. So as we're wrapping up this episode and this reaction, I want to know, like, what are you looking for in the next episode? Not necessarily a prediction, but like, what dynamics are you looking for in uh, episode three? Well, if they, if episode three time jumps nine months and the babe Aegon's born. That's what I'm looking forward to. Me too. Like you can't just tease us that that is crazy. I can't believe they teased us that. Cause obviously the conqueror himself is born. We have to look like we, I want to hear what they say. And like, you know, they tease the song of fire and ice. I want teasing that because if this goes on for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seasons, and they're already getting used to time jumps by God, they're going to do a time jump to that guy. They, they will, I, and that will be the best part of this series. I will say this on episode two. That will be the best part of House of the Dragon. So they got to show us that because that's going to be our main that main takeaway from this series when it's all said and done. What's so cool about this show compared to original Game of Thrones, by having these time jumps, original Game of Thrones, they refer to the past and they refer to these eras and these generations before and these different eras of like Targaryens and the Starks. And they say, oh, remember this guy back in the day? And like, we have to register that information. We're like, oh yeah, they talked about it that one time. We get one flashback in the history of Game of Thrones and it's with the, the most recent Aegon Targaryen with Jon Snow right and the his origin origin quote unquote his birth right and who his real mother was uh but here we're getting to see the history with these time jumps right we're going to see them harken back to remember when Rhaenyra was passed up and then the king married like Allison, like the hand of the king's daughter, instead of like matching up with the Valerians and things like that. People are gonna, the people are gonna be talking about that maybe at the end of this season, or we're gonna be like season four, season five, and they're gonna like harken back to it and we're like we're gonna remember we saw that it's not just something that was in the book. It's gonna be something that every viewer is gonna be able to harken back to and recollect, which I think is so awesome. Right, and I'm just thinking now back to Game of Thrones, like season one, like. Yes, rewatching it, it's a lot of fun to watch the politics involved and everything going on, but it wasn't like as compelling or as eventful as these first two episodes. It definitely wasn't. It didn't get to that part until like Ned Stark, uh, the sudden like turn of Ned Stark, um, rest in peace. But it's like, it's like they're already doing it now. It's pretty impressive what they're doing. They knew that they had to come out of the gates hot. And they had the story to do it because clearly from the books, like with this rivalry, like you had the potential there 
And they didn't wait till the end of the season, like kind of a cliffhanger to go into season two. They did it early on. So I think they're just gaining more and more traction on social media and their fans. And more and more people are going to watch it and fall in love with the show more and more. So, yes, similar parallels to Game of Thrones. But I would say they're just starting us out a lot hotter. They're not waiting to the end of the season. They're coming out high, and I love it. Coming out like scorching scorching with this latest episode and we haven't no like we haven't gotten to like the romantic relationships yet there's so much left to explore in this season and we're gonna see like what mysteries or like what relationships are gonna develop and uh i think that was a good place to end ricky flex we get a lot of anticipation a big cliffhanger big twist i think also right we should mention what's happening this friday we are also getting not only are we having Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon, a lot of hype, but the Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings prequel series from Amazon is dropping this Friday, and we're going to be covering it, right? We're going to be doing reaction episodes for both Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Buckle up. Any, any, I, have you been catching up with uh, Lord of the Rings at all, Ricky Flex, on, in anticipation? I haven't watched any, but I've been like doing a couple of readings, just like kind of reacquainting myself. And I, I heard it's pretty good. Like good, mm. but I don't know how it could like this last episode. They they back to back hitters for for game with uh, for the House of the Dragon, like going first, like first man advantage here, like the first mover advantage. Like, it's so <laughs> so important. And yeah. on a Sunday night, it's gonna be interesting when football season comes around too. I think House of the Dragon is gonna maintain its hold just after these first two episodes. But it's gonna be interesting versus Lord of the Rings, where it's a Friday drop, but it's like a Friday morning drop. And it's like, I don't know, like it doesn't have the same height where you watch at nine o'clock. Every everyone in the everyone in the eastern seaboard is watching at nine o'clock Pacific, six o'clock. It's like everyone's watching at the same time. Lord of the Rings, like I could watch a Friday morning or Friday night or Saturday or Sunday. You know, it's like not gonna have that same effect. It's gonna see. I'm looking forward to seeing how much traction it's gonna take. Because if it's good, great. But is it gonna get the same like interaction that House of the Dragon is gonna get? I'm going Colin Coward here. This is like two friends that see this one girl at the bar. You got Game of Thrones fan. You got Game of Thrones producers looking, and then also you have Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power producers. They out, they both see like the same audience, right? Who got their first House of the Dragon got here first this summer, right? They got all the traction right now. They got the set release date, the release time, right? And then what's interesting too. We're all, we have Rings of Power, I think, debuting two episodes on Friday. Am I correct about that, Ricky Flex? I I don't know. That's I would love two episodes. Because I believe the first two episodes are going to theaters. I assume the first two episodes are going to be on Amazon Prime. If that's the case, we're going to be on the same level. We're going to episode three next week. Episode three, House of the Dragon. Episode four, right? Rings of Power. Episode four, right? Like Rings of Power, House of the Dragon. They're on the same pace. I think it's going to be exciting. As we said before, this is going to be the greatest, the, potentially the greatest TV rivalry maybe ever. This two at the th- same time, two it's like two highly acclaimed, critically acclaimed franchises. I've been catching up. I watched I Fellowship of the Ring today. God damn it, those movies are so good, bro. Fellowship They're so might good. Be the best one. I like two, uh, two Towers, but I might change my mind on a on a on a rewatch. I think that uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna watch. Two uh, two towers, and then 
uh, Return of the King. But I was always a fan of uh, the Two Towers. I, re- I always loved the ending of that movie. To me, it's like yes. nothing ever paralleled it. It was just it was a mas- It was a masterpiece. Peter Jackson, you goddamn gem. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm looking forward to Lord of the Rings. Looking forward to our recaps. I, I will just say the trailer for the Amazon for the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, didn't sell me as much as I thought it was going to, but I'm hearing good things, so I'm looking forward to it still. So pumped. Make sure that you're following our feed so you can get our reactions to both House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. And I think something we've talked about, Ricky Flex, top billing draft Lord of the Rings characters later this week. Yeah, I might have to do the rewatch. It's gonna be You're a long week. Gonna have to folks. study. I, I I got I have the head start right now. I pulled the House of the Dragon. I have the first man advantage right now. I'm very excited for that draft. I already I did my depth chart. Got the leg up on the competition with Ricky Flicks. All right, a lot of TV coming our way. She Hulk also this week reaction episodes. We consider ourselves a movie podcast, but when you have a lot of these like basically criti- critically acclaimed shows and uh, cinema level television, how can we not talk about it? There's not a lot of movies not. coming out this fall. It's True. tough. Next eight weeks is going to be all TV for the most part. Like we got Don't Worry Darling in September and Blonde, but like that's the end of September. Like it's going to be a tough fall. It's, we got to wait till October, November to start up real, the true Oscar season. Yeah, we're not slowing down though. We're going to keep up with the, uh, these uh, post-show reactions the best. Follow us on our feed wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure... Uh, you rate us five stars. Leave us a review. We'll shout you out on the podcast if you do so. Make sure you're following our socials on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Drive In Pod for both. Make sure you also subscribe to the YouTube, which you may be watching right now. Live reaction on YouTube. So many up the yin yang. Make sure you're checking it out. All right. That's going to do it for episode 139, 139 of the Drive In Podcast for Ricky Flux and Dr. Rowe. Until next time, we will. Smell ya.